listening to the oneofus.net podcast network oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well God, we're back. The Doom Patrol is back. Doom. Welcome to the episode of Deliberations <laughs> of Doom. It's an episode. Yeah, it's volume two, that episode. <laughs> you need to cut in like a completely different like sound quality and even a different voice layer. Just like it's episode. 40s. So. <laughs> right. um, exactly. uh, Matt Frank will be our Matt special Frank guest on this is episode. Our special guest tonight. Stop, Matt Frank. <laughs> Mainly because when I told we were texting, I was like, oh yeah, I'm just prepping for my uh, Giant Monsters episode, Deliberation of the Doom. And you could literally, through text, I could feel his face he drop. He walked in the room. <laughs> he's go, like, you sons of bitches having a monster episode without me? I don't says, think so. What? <laughs> yeah, I. I it actually was. I think I responded with a single what? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I'll admit, I was a little offended, but it, I'm just kidding. It's, I, I'm, I'm glad that I could, I could, um, hornswoggle my way in on this. Well, so. Always welcome, sir. Thanks. Absolutely, you're, you're, we love When that, it comes right? to giant monsters, you have a certain amount of uh, knowledge. I don't know. I don't watch Maybe that crap. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of the Doom is here. I have some Chris. Patience. Alan. And Nick. Uh, before we get started, we are going to first off. We've got a, a couple uh, listener questions to answer, and then we have a look at a brand new film in theaters right now: "A Field Guide to Evil" from Draft House Films. That we'll take a brief look at. Ooh. But let's get started with listener questions. Dennis McElwain, who Patience always loves to mention how I much love she loves, yeah, says, con- "Considering Brexit is looming, <laughs> what, what, what monsters do you expect to come from it?" I expect a half-dead, wheezing monster that doesn't know what it is doing. Oh, wait, that is Brexit as it is. <laughs> I will. I, I was actually thinking about this question, and I and in also in honor of of Matt Frank's T-shirt, I was Ooh. like a giant fifty-foot Teresa May, yeah. just sort of like looming in the you know the Irish Sea. Just trying to, like, <laughs> smash things? I don't know. Why? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a funny thing. It's like, monsters are, as, as almost as a rule, are reactionary to societal ill or to some form of anxiety in our culture. And I'm trying to think of what an economic downturn monster would look like. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's funny because um, the, 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 the British don't... Um, fucks with monsters that much. They, uh... They're not as big into the giant monster movies? Well, I've got a friend over in the UK who's, like, the biggest Godzilla fan I know in the UK, and, um... He's like, yeah, most people over here are only familiar with the Hanna-Barbera cartoon and Gorgo. Uh, <laughs> oh, right, yeah. But there are, some, there are some cats over there who are trying to get a UK kaiju convention going, which is really exciting. So. Cool. I already have a title, Rexit. 
Wait, what if it was Rexit <laughs> Ralph? No. There you go. Oh, no. <laughs> That's too close to something else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben Glassall, of course, appears on quite a few of our podcasts. Okay. Says, "What giant monster classics do you think could be rebooted well today, where F- FX would be done better and cheaper?" Now, this question I think is pretty cool because I think the real question is which ones haven't. And rebooted yeah. today. Yeah. I mean, we're about to see like the new Godzilla, which has quite a few of the the classic Godzilla monsters we've not seen with brand new top level special effects. So sure. we're about to get an answer to that question on many levels. But um, yeah, I mean, like even one of the movies we're talking about in this run is The Blob, and I still would love to see a brand new. I would, I would, say the same thing. I would yeah. love to see a new Blob. See, but- I am the opposite. Where I think it'd be a terrible idea because uh. so much of what I love about The Blob is those incredible effects. Yep. And it would be just, no matter how good the CG effects would look, they wouldn't have that visceral nature of, like, yeah. the effects in the blob or, like, tremors in another movie we might talk about later. Like, those effects are what make these monster movies so good. And then as good as, like, maybe Cloverfield or The Host or some of these other monster movies are, the monster still isn't as cool as that real blob you see in the blob. So, like, it's I mean, just yeah. not as cool. I'm in complete agreement with that. I think uh, that even with our list right now, the ones that are more recent that have... They feel overly dependent on CG, mm-hmm. and the CG does not sell as well as even the worst with the practical effects and rotoscoping. Yeah. A lot of opinions about this. <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 I'll trim it down, though. I'm the kind of person, I'm one of those weirdos who, like, one of my favorite monster movies, unironically, is Reptilicus, which is a shitty monster movie from Denmark uh, and uh, from the 1960s. And it's one of the things that makes that movie so much fun is that the monster is, it's not even a good rod control puppet. Like, it has one string on the back of its head, so it just kind of flops around. But (laughs) there's something about it where it's like, man, that really makes it. But uh, with regards to something like the blob, it's kind of, it could go one way or it could go the other. Like, I'm of two minds on that, because the blob is such a simple concept. And I now that I've seen the both versions of the blob, they both fit their eras so perfectly and uh, and reflect, you know, what's changed about society. Because each one, again, again, the blob is such an elemental, simple thing. It'd be really interesting to see what you could do with a new version of the blob. I would worry that it would get, uh, it might rely a little too much on... Um, Global warming and climate change, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, which isn't a bad idea. I mean, that's what the the new Godzilla movie is really going to be leaning hard into. That uh, you can do it. I just it's got to be done very carefully. And yeah, then, and I would also be concerned. I, I agree. Like, I think thematically, that movie or any of these movies, let's let's do it. Let's take the new sure. issues and make more yeah. awesome movies. And but like a good example of like going poorly is like when they remade slash prequelized the thing, mm-hmm. and like you see like what. From a similar era, the effects of that and how effective they are, and then you see the CGI mess of the new one, or it's just like, what the fuck am I even looking I mean, at? The, the, that's the risk. That's but like, a, yeah. it could go. I mean, I'm all for like someone going for it. You know, well, that's I a, think. Oh, the, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but I think that your <coughs> idea about the thematic thing for the blob, because the blob is so you know obviously amorphous and like yeah, it can fit any. It can like, literally fit anything like story wise, <laughs> and so it can fit any time. And I think that's a great idea. So remaking the blob, I think, would be cool. Uh, the idea that the special effects would make it better, I think, 
is what I just well, risky. Yeah. Risky. Yeah, the we'll practi- get into that. The practical effects of the blob are terrific. The CG effect the, of the which ain't even CG. Screen. The green screen. Yeah, is, oh, it's rough. Honestly, if they just went back and and did a, a run through it and fix, I feel like they could fix it because it just has that same problem that Ghostbusters has still with right. the dogs, where there's this thin line around them, like mm-hmm. glowy line for the yeah, green screen. But, you know. I mean, what if we got a blob directed by Frank Darabont? What if it was all from the viewpoint of the blob? Oh. <laughs> That's like and it was found footage. That's like yeah. And it was all these other bad things. That's like a short story. The voiceover, the blobs holding the camera. At, at the end, it's like it's Denzel Washington, right? Oh, God. And then at the Denzel. end, it's just like fallen, right? Oh, man. That's, that's like that short story I actually read that was told from the perspective of the thing. And oh, it was shit. a really, it was like... It was, I was just trying to make friends. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> honest. Well, the idea was that it was it was trying to write from a perspective of something that doesn't think the way a human does. Mm-hmm. The idea that humans were individuals was a terrifying concept to this creature. It's like, oh, they had, there's something behind their eyes, something that thinks for itself. And it's like the most, it's repulsed Kinda by this like idea. Kind like the Borg? Yeah, like yeah. It, the idea of the Borg are, are if they were actually scared of everyone else that wasn't the Borg, right? Instead right. Of just intentional. Oh, why would anyone want to not be part of the collective? Well, that's a Borg yeah. thing. Is like, I, what do you mean you don't want to be a Borg? Right. That's yeah, weird. basically. Look, we're for your own good. We're going to make you the Borg. Don't resist. But, but the one point I really quick wanted <laughs> to make scary. about because I, I I hear this a lot about special effects. Like, would you want to see something done with like better special effects? I always cock my eyebrow because I'm like. You mean more expensive special effects? Because that's the that's the reason why they recut the thing remake to have all that CGI is because they wanted it to look expensive. The CGI right. was not as good as the practical effects, demonstrably. But because audiences are so inured to CGI at this point, especially overdone, like Jurassic World has some of the and Jurassic World and Age of Ultron have some of the shittiest CGI I've seen in my life Absolutely. because. But they look expensive, so people think they must be better. It's sort of like an advertising thing, where if you say out front that I can spend this much money on a thing, that should convince you, the viewer, that this is a good thing. Right. Agreed. Yeah. I love you keep saying the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we're going to take a look at the movie coming out from Draft House Films, The Field Guide to Evil. The, I'm so glad I didn't pay for this. The conceit was was that uh, this is a horror anthology which each film is is directed and written and, and, and filmed someplace in, in different countries around the world. A lot of Eastern European countries sounds are, really are dominant. Here. It is actually sounds like a cool idea. concept. Like each one is a folk tale from that particular yeah, based, country. Based or like on, a loose yeah. riff oh, on like a folk that. tale. Yeah. That right. Uh, first off, you have the sinful women of Hallfall, uh, which is two young ladies who become friends and start having a lesbian affair with each other. Right. And this is a very much a period piece, and they're Holy being told, like, like being told, like this is you're going to release this monster that's going to come out. And sure enough, the monster, Truck. which indeed looks kind of cool, it's like Pennywise if someone took a post hole digger to his face. Um, her. <laughs> huh? I think it was a her. Was it a her? I think it was a her. All right. Well, anyway, so the monster shows up, but then there's a very confusing ending. I was like, wait, <laughs> what happened? So, and this is the directors that did Goodnight Mommy, which Chris and I are, have a long standing like battle um, because I loved Goodnight Mommy and Chris hated it. <laughs> I did not care so, for it. Um, and I did not like this. No. Now, so. I really love Goodnight Mommy, and I actually like this first short quite a bit. Mostly the first half, because I agree with Chris. The, the ending, 
so was weird. jumbled and confusing. But one of the things I was thinking of as I watched it is sort of the structure of movies, the three-act structure. So you've got your first act is about a quarter of a movie that introduces uh, all your main characters and all their desires and like the plot points. Then you've got a second act, which is twice as long, and that just sets up for the third act, which is when they try to approach those desires and those things. Uh, short films take place entirely in the second act, which means we don't get any introductions, we don't get any conclusions, and if we want any of that stuff, it has to be implied. And I think, at least for the first act implications of the the first short in this one, it was amazing. So we see this uh, young girl looking to go running errands, walking through the woods, and then she sees someone down by the river who picks up a rock and smashes herself in the face. And she's like, yeah, what the pretty fuck? Rough. You know, like, Ugh. that came out of nowhere. But then you find out that she smashes herself in the face because she's trying to bleed on her underwear so that she can wash it publicly so that the other ladies doesn't think that she's pregnant. Oh, okay. Whoa. Right. I so see, like, I didn't even catch that's what, yeah, what that And that's what I'm saying. And this is what it's like. Yeah. This is the artful part of it, in my opinion, is that they, even like the little signals between the two girls... It gives you, like, the first time it happens, you're like, you don't know what that sound is, the little whistle. Mm-hmm. And the second time it happens, you're like, oh, they've been doing this for a while now. Yeah, they're mm. obviously lovers. Exactly. And so, like, all those subtle elements that tell us everything that came before, I thought that was masterfully done. Uh, well, the second one is The Kindler and the Virgin, uh, which is this guy is told by this... Described like a temptress, like a succubus or something, a demon, who knows, a beautiful, like, but, but, uh, ethereal, uh, lady says, if you eat the hearts of, uh, the hearts of three recently deceased people, you will gain all the knowledge in the world. Well, can Chris, I, like, I could do be that? mistaken. I think, <laughs> I think you're skipping one. Yeah, we did. We, we skipped Haunted, uh, by a Carisi, the childbirth. Oh, I did. Well, let's just Jane. go on this one and we'll switch yeah. back. Okay. So, uh, so it's, him digging up bodies, eating the... And, I mean, the thing about it is, he's eating hearts, dead bodies' hearts, and there's a fire right there. Like, you can't... Like, <laughs> right. you can't cook. How can you have a little roast, a little yeah, cookout? Yeah, like, no, yeah. he's on, eating man. the raw hearts. Chop it up and put hearts. it in, like, a fajita, you know, yeah, heart tacos. a nice gumbo. I mean, I, like, why do you have to be so crude about it? <laughs> I definitely agree. I mean, the, the bulk of this one was basically watching someone disgustingly eat disgusting things. Yeah. yeah almost yeah, nothing really, beyond that. Nothing that beyond that. I really want to watch when I go to a movie theater and have a good time. The next one was, uh, well, the one before that, Haunted by El Carisi, The Childbirth Gym. I actually like this one. This one was done by the director that did Baskin, which is a pretty can, popular... Can ever, ever know. Yeah, exactly. And this is about a woman, or, I, I mean, I felt like she was a child, right? Mm-hmm. Very like young. Very young. Young mother. Who is taking care of her gr- mother or grandmother who's disabled and she's uh, massively pregnant. Massively. Yeah. yeah. And she's got like level. 30 babies in there. <laughs> she's at DEFCON 5 of pregnancy. Seriously. And she Code yellow. takes the mother or grandmother's brooch oh. um, because the, she's invalid and she can't do anything about it. And then so, but there's this gin, this childbirth gin that the, the grandmother basically curses her with. And I don't know, sh- uh, shenanigans ensue. Yeah. And a lot of stuff with up. goats once again. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of goats and a lot yeah, of Europe. like, uh, for me, the main theme throughout all these is that things having to do with women are bad. <laughs> and if you pray enough, then they'll go away. Yeah, I well, if they're based like, on folklore, especially from true Europe, <laughs> that's pretty much yeah, all it is. It's like, like Having sex with another woman, masturbating, goats, 
and giving birth to children is a one of these things does not belong with the other. Goats. <laughs> well, I don't know. She was sucking on that goat teat like oh, in that first one. In the first one, yeah. First one. She was like Which was pretty drinking. unsettling. It was so weird. Uh, it was yeah, weird. like really getting in there. I, yeah. I thought that this one was probably the best of the lot. What but beware the melon heads? No, no, oh, the one we just talked oh, about. Good, good. I was daughter like, one. beware uh, the, the daughter one. Heads. But even then, it was one of those like, okay, so that's it. I guess it's just well, like I guess so we're moving on now. The thing I liked a little bit about the ending of that one, because for me, it was a little bit more conclusive than the ending of the preceding one. Is you find out that the girl gets stuffed down into like I don't know a well, a well or something, well, yeah. right? And then the the grandma, the one that cursed her, shifts into her like shape, her face, her form, right, or whatever. Right. And it's basically the implication is. I've got your baby now, and yeah. I've got your life now, and now you're stuck here. Yeah. And I felt like that was a reasonably haunting ending to a very, very short They They're missing the punchline where she should have turned, gone like, fuck, and then turns out there's another girl down there, Samara, and she's like, tell me about it. <laughs> 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 that would have been awesome. Yeah, if you have a mother figure shove you down the well Mondays, right? And then the next <laughs> one was, I, this yeah. one I hated the, the American most. one. The American oh. one. Yeah, I the, so bad. The Beware the Melon Heads, which was the idea that there's... Sound Hydrocephalic children in the woods of Michigan, Ohio, and Connecticut, which are people with like huge, like brain pans, isn't that, running isn't around. That Billy Quizboy, you kind of from fucking Venture, from Venture Brothers. Brothers yeah. My mother calls me her little water baby. Yep. <laughs> uh, just come on America to have the worst just, folklore of any like country. The acting was so terrible. The script was bad. The effects were bad. Oh. This was just the ending dumb. was just weird. I don't want to. I mean, I want to. Like they could have done something cooler with like Wendigos or something. Although, I mean. Yeah. We well, did get a, are cool by definition. We did get like yeah. a thematic through line because there was cannibalism in this one as well. That's oh right. yeah, like a little so it's, no, it's got to be watermelon kicks. <laughs> it's got to be fucking cabbage patch up in here. <laughs> Next we have uh, whatever happened to Panagus the Pagan, where a goblin, which is a very odd def- way of looking, it looks like a goblin made from trees, like a, because he's got like a gross. tree trunk head. But it's kind of cool. Uh, but I actually it, really like that. It interrupts design. a Christmas celebration, uh, and they basically figure out, oh shit, you're a goblin, and and like grab him and are going to do it was something. Like, to with him. the nose, and then they drink his blood. I was so. what That's I liked. Fun. What I liked yeah, about this one was it had some of the more original special effects in it. It just had I a mean, neat look to it. Um, overall, once again, it's just like all right, it's it's over quickly. It doesn't really leave you with much of a taste in your mouth either way. It's just like okay, well, that was a thing. I like some of the visual aspects, but there wasn't much to it. There's a couple things more that I liked about that one. Just small stuff, but mostly I agree. It was a flash in the pan, but I did like the character design. I did like the the set design. But I also really like the narration. I like the guy being like, it was Christmas. It's always fucking Christmas when this happens. <laughs> you know, like, point. it's just, yeah. like, cursing's like, fucking whatever his name, the pagan. <laughs> like, it's always... The pagan is such a dick. <laughs> uh, next up was Palace of Horrors from India. Anybody want to describe this one? Oh, this, okay, so this one actually kind of, like, kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way because, um, basically it's like this British coloniza- colonization type, you know, short where he's going to India to buy freaks for uh, his circus. For Ringling and Yeah, Barnum for and- his circus or for his sideshow or whatever. And I know a lot of pe- sideshow people and I felt like this was like really insulting. But anyway, uh-huh. there's this one freak that they won't let him have that's just, you know, un- like under lock and chain. They won't even let him see it. Jeez. And it's basically like he goes in the middle of the night 
and he sees it or breaks in and sees it, and then that's kind of the yeah. End. Then oh no, oh, my eyes are gone. Then I haven't slept a day since. Oh wow! So it's like yeah. that one Lovecraft story, but like. Not, not good. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but all these freaks are like chained up in this palace and it's just like, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It, it was, didn't bother it me because it's bad, clearly not but... pro chaining up freaks. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's kind of opposed to the was... whole like yeah. shopping for freaks and kind of thing. And this is an Indian Agreed. film. It was from India. All, so although most just... of it is in English, weirdly. Yes. yes. Well, no, that's fairly common. Exactly. Those are the colonization. I was going, come on, break out in the song, break out into song. That would have made this whole thing where they all they all could have been in their chains and like using it as a baseline yeah, or something. It's a percussion instrument, yeah. you know? The next one was my favorite. Yeah, this was A Nocturnal Breath, um, where we That's discovered... That's my indie progress. There's a... a <laughs> my other indie progress. <laughs> two shepherds, a brother and sister that live together, and uh, basically there's some sort of mouse creature that keeps crawling out of the sister's mouth at night yeah! and like... And leaves her oh, to all appearances dead uh-huh. when it's out, and, and then like and like killing animals things. that they're taking care like, of. Did yeah. have you ever watch Salem, Jesus. the television series? I feel like okay. I've tried it. Okay, so there's something similar that happens in Salem, the television series. It's kind of like you're familiar. So if you're a witch, you have in, in Salem anyway. Same thing here. You have this this familiar, which it could be a frog or a mouse or something like that. That like lives in your mouth. Yeah, it well it lives inside <laughs> of you, and then you vomit it up, and it goes and does your bidding, and then it comes back and you know. Now see, I got the opposite read on this one. <laughs> like I don't think this is familiar. I think the mouse was just like. The demon the itself, demon itself. Yeah. right? Yeah. And she was possessed by it, and like it would go out and do stuff, or she would do stuff while it was in her. Because there's, she had a line where she was like, "Do you understand how hard I'm working to keep the good me here? Like yeah. you need to end this That's good now." Because she wants him to kill her, right? And, and then she winds yeah. up killing him, which I thought was a wonderful. I, I was kind of a bitch, I, but I kind of went. What just happened? At the well, so end? I was like, I was I like, liked he, it. Didn't, okay. he didn't want to lose one. his sister, who he's yeah. obviously cool. in love with. There's a whole bunch of incestuous overtones here. Yeah, there was some weird shit going. And on. And since she that. feels like she has to die, she's infected by the demon. <laughs> he then, takes the demon from her, and then she kills him. There was more, also a lot of milking. Uh, again, there's yeah. like, there's a lot All of about milking. milking. It's definitely yeah. a through line. Yeah, and Wait, goats are a through line as well. <laughs> Wait, so I mean, were they milking in multiple stories? Or in yeah, the, no, oh, there's uh-huh. a lot of milking hmm. and goats. <laughs> Lots of goats. Lots, Lots of, of black goats. I just want that to be the pull quote for the Blu-ray cover. <laughs> Lots, like, of Lots of milking. <laughs> milking enthusiasts. Film critic, Film critic Patience Robinson Campo says, there was a lot of milking. <laughs> uh, the last one is uh, The Cobbler's Lot. Yes. Which is my second favorite of the bunch. Uh, this is very Guy Madden, if you've ever seen any of his films. No. It's all style, but it's a really neat idea. It's basically he's making a German expressionist film like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Ooh. but doing it in color. And this and, is by Peter Strickland, who did Burbian Sound Studio, who, which is yeah. a very extremely popular horror film. I really enjoy that film quite a bit, um, and I've liked his, his other work as well. Uh, it's very Quay brothers Looking in the sense that these two brothers, they totally look like every character in a Quay Brothers <laughs> short film. Um, like, kind of like Edward Scissorhands-ish, if you will. Yeah. And they're both in love with the same princess, but one of them is kind of like not a nice guy and and, ira- and, and like wants to take the easy way. The other one is a hard worker, but the king is like, well, you're peasants. Why would I do that? It's like, well, I'll tell you what, you go to this magical lake and get out from it some 
plant I've never heard it's of. A flower. Yeah, a flower. Yeah. Then, then uh, you can have her hand. And the problem is that the lake in question is filled with hot chicks that want to have There's sex. A, with you. There yeah. is yeah. a different kind of milking in this yeah. one. There is. Because um, there is a lot of spooge. But then, like, Man, I, yeah, like a party. Oh my God, that one scene. But know. then it ends up with like. Like both brothers end up getting killed and punished. It's like one brother's like one's a liar and dishonest. One of them is like one's a liar and dishonest, and the other one like had hooked up with some party chicks. I was like, she uh, said, "Don't fuck another woman on this quest." It's his bachelor party. Anyway, so they're made into skin shoes, which is badass. That's right. So I was just going to say, like, I I felt like the subtitle to this movie (laughs) should have been The Curse of the Foot Fetishist. Right? Because it was literally all about feet. I'm just thinking about that line from Brooklyn Nine-Nine with the, it was like some cop show on the show where it was like, I made this saddle out of your sister! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well... Let's move on to the actual films uh, that yeah, we're here to talk about. Yeah, monsters. Now, my order, I know in the past I've, I've done these in a multiple different ways of ordering. This time I tried as best as I could to keep movies with similar themes connected okay. to each other, more so than thinking about uh, time of release. But we are, in fact, starting with the earliest one, which is Alligator, which came out in the far-flung year of 1980. <laughs> uh, directed by Louis Teague, who went on to do two Stephen King movies, Cat's Eye and Cujo, as well nice. as The Jewel of the Nile, the sequel the sequel to <laughs> Romancing the Stone. Oh, widely reviled sequel to Romancing the Stone. <laughs> yeah, it's nowhere near as good. Um, but uh, this was written by John Sayles, who, of course, at this point was still under the Corman contract, and we know this because the same year... His probably the best film he did for Corman, Battle Beyond the Stars, came out nice. in 1980 as well. Uh, this movie is a, was one of the many movies in the wake of Jaws, mm-hmm. where it was like, okay, we need a giant version of a monster that terrorizes a small town, a government that wants to deny that it's a problem or even exists sure. at all. Uh, sure, but this also added like environmental message stuff. Uh, Scientists are bad. <laughs> it's, it's a very government agencies and it's a very yeah, yeah. It's a very cynical film in a lot of ways, and uh, and it is funny because you know you were talking, Chris. I, I hope I didn't cut you off. Actually, no, but I'm gonna no. do it anyway. No, it's um, fine. the uh, um, it, and I was trying to think of like what the connecting element was between all of these films because I thought about them for a while. I'm like, what is the connection between these? But then I I kind of put it together where I was like. Monsters, as I said earlier, are reactionary. They're reactionary to some sort of societal malaise. But with these particular films, uh, they are all reactions to other films. Yeah. You've got either they are rip-offs, or they're remakes, or they're made specifically in the style of films that have come before them, yada, yada, yada. And, and of course, Alligator, like you said, is this... Um, Comes out in the wake of of the 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 animal on the loose, yeah. Film, but very much influenced by the the massive financial success of Jaws, of course, uh, of which there were quite a few. Oh yeah, just, there's some. There's speaking of alligator. There's a movie called Crocodile that I recommend everybody check out. Um, it might be the worst movie I've ever seen <laughs> because they shot maybe a collective uh, forty five minutes of footage. You, and then cut it up and stretch it out over the course of an hour and a half film. You were making me laugh when you were texting me as he's watching. He's like, oh, wow, with Burt Reynolds? I'm like, no, that's Gator. The guy at the <laughs> beginning of the movie looks like Burt Reynolds. 
themselves. All right. So the the, the story essentially is Robert Forrester plays a cop. Yay, Robert Forrester playing the same character from Jackie Brown. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I love the idea of him aging into that. Not character. the same character, but yeah. Tarantino has said that his he want he basically told him just yeah. play him like you played this guy in Alligator. I want you just to play that kind of tired. And we see at the beginning like the the old like urban legend. This teenage girl gets a baby alligator and it gets flushed down the toilet, and then because of chemicals Her in the sewers, dad. it gets right. it gets super a- expanded and starts taking out people. And the movie's a series of people getting taken out, and then Robert Forrester trying to figure out what's going on and suspecting there's some connection to uh, dogs they've been finding that are mysteriously much bigger than I, they should be. I love the casualness of him finding some of these bodies. There's one where he's like leaving the sewer just like holding a hand. Yeah. Like a severed yeah. hand. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just found a fucking thing here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a leg. Uh, <laughs> and, and hooking up with with uh, like a animal Fuck. expert. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I... <sighs> That's oh, what bugged you. That's what bugged you. She's like, I didn't like it. No, there's. I have a lot. I actually have like three, maybe two issues. With, no, three issues with this movie. The first one that I have is, and I'd like to hear what Matt Frank has to say about this, is that the, I, I, I know that they used a, a puppet. Yes. An animatronic alligator, correct? Mm-hmm. At, at and, times, and, yeah. And also maybe a person in an alligator. Well, so? no, they. It was a. It was a rod. Look, it was largely a rod controlled puppet. And as I understand it, didn't Brian Cranston operate it? Yeah, uh, he operated he it just during the. Uh, he worked the whole time, but he was solely in charge of the one it explodes at the end. Oh, he fun. built that effect. Is fun. that the one that looked oh. like the RUSs from Princess Bride? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes the alligator isn't super convincing. Um, it doesn't even open its mouth at times. They just kind of like poke people. Well, with yeah, and the well, alligator. similar to like Jaws, there was like a lot of issues with the animatronics. Sure. But it kind of led to some of my favorite effects in it, where it's clearly miniatures yeah. with a regular and alligator. Not even that. like a fully grown alligator. <laughs> it's like, it's a, like a, yeah. a juvenile. Yeah. And, but like, I loved, I loved it because it was like a real throwback to like the classic big monster movies, where it's just like, yeah. let's just get a fucking rabbit and <laughs> yeah, you see like, walk over a, a it, tiny it, town. Yeah, it, like it's like a throwback to something like uh, one million BC when they were like, <laughs> right. fuck it, put an iguana. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything tiny around it, and I love that look in this. There's a shot in this I love where it's like kind of the first time we get a really good look at the thing, and it's Forster and this young copper in the sewers, and there's like a flash of light behind them, and the alligator head just kind of is there, and then just kind of backs away. That's so awesome. It was just because he like he just he just puts his flashlight just under his arm to hold it for a second, and it just kind of whoop, and there's no stinger with the music. Yeah, it's just there. You got to be paying attention as the audience member, which is also straight up riff off of Jaws, right? Because the first time we see Jaws. Got no music sting. Yeah, which is it's what made it more shocking. very raw. Yeah, and uh, I uh, I thought this movie like was um, better than any right to be. <laughs> yeah, like, I loved it. It wasn't. It, it's not exceptional, but it is uh, again. You know. Decent quality, like a solid little creature on the loose I movie. I totally disagree. Oh man, I, see, this is yeah. the only movie that I hadn't seen out of this bunch going yeah. into this, and I was so surprised by it. And it is like a schlocky rip-off movie, it's creature movie. Terrible. But oh, I was like so surprised with how well made it is. Like it doesn't have that cinematic language that a lot of these types of movies have, where it's like mm. 
they're telegraphing exactly yeah, what's going to happen. Right. Like, it's made with, like, a little bit of respect for the audience, which never happens yeah. in these schlocky movies. Well, if, as long as the audience are males, because this is the most misogynistic. It's a dude movie, yeah. yeah it's a lot on. of casual racism oh, and casual misogyny on. going on. a lot of racism. But, and, but come on, one of the big lines I is, honestly like, didn't you catch have the a racism, PhD and a nice set of tits. Yeah, wait, the quote is so great. This is yeah. one of the greatest quotes in any of the He's movies charming. I watched. He's charming. She says, well, she says they, are, they are already sleeping together at this point, so yeah. Yeah, you can talk to a, you can talk to your right. squeeze it's, like this. Right. It's, it's not fair, like him yeah. harassing her. They are literally well, naked on top of each other. But everybody else is harassing her. That they're is just true. Like, oh, you're pretty. Go. But they're all. Yeah. But they are all dickheads. But he's the yeah. only one who isn't harassing her. In fact, they don't even get along at first. You know. Yeah, he, well, that's he, sort and of he recognizes the, that he's wrong when he's right. when he's a dick. He's like, hey, she says, "Yeah, what do you need me for?" He says, "What does anybody need anybody for? You're the country's leading herpetologist. You have a wonderful mind." Doctor degree and beautiful tits. <laughs> yeah. I, that's yeah, I think that's as far as like nineteen eighty like goes. As, in that as order, a guy, that's exactly how it should happen. I don't. I don't have. I am not turned on by this, y'all. Well, I'm not, and I'm not either because you know Robert Forrester is. A, I love him as a character. I don't know if I want to sleep with him. But uh, <laughs> young I mean, Robert, oh, he had me with the self-deprecating uh, uh, hairline humor, uh, which I went off the bat. Which that he improved it all. Yeah, there was. Well, yeah, I read that he improved, and then they eventually started writing it in where other yeah. characters would start mentioning it, yeah. which would never happen in any movie before. After was like. Oh, this our lead actor is going bald. Let's make fun of him for the entire movie. I love that shit. I just want to point that out. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's the broken down cop. He he lost his last partner. Everybody like kind of gives him shit about it. No one's entirely clear if he's actually responsible on some level or not. I appreciate that they never really that that didn't become the point. Wasn't whether or not it was his fault. The point was that he was carrying that guilt. Uh, and I love that his boss, Michael V. Gazza, who is like basically Burgess Meredith and Rocky uh, as a police guy. <laughs> He's a rocket machine. He's like, you gotta get back in there. You gotta get in there and you gotta punch the alligator. Harry Wood thinks that he's batshit insane until they find out the camera and then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, let's use pots and pans to try and scare this fucking alligator. Oh, I did like that they yeah. didn't run that throughout the whole movie. Like, everyone's doubting him, doubting him, doubting him. I like that it was an early reveal. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're telling the truth early on, right? Which is another kind of like turn I didn't expect. That's out not of it. that's not usual for yeah, these yeah. Things. I gotta um, say, I, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I really appreciated. Uh, just I wasn't expecting the moment uh, when the alligator actually does burst out of the sewer, oh, like yeah. concrete's going flying, and it was I'm like, awesome. "That's fucking rad!" Yeah. A bunch, a bunch like, of kids break dancing on the street. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like I can see where patients would have issues with it because it is very derivative and it does. Ride that for me personally, Robert Forrester rides that line between being charming and obnoxious. But I can see where yeah. he would be obnoxious but, if you've seen that character a lot. But in a way that, like, is that cop character is in every type of movie that cop character is sure. in, where he's yeah. like, he's supposed to be kind of like, hey, I'm an asshole, it's okay because I'm good at my job. And it yeah, wasn't hard to go somewhere, and it wasn't <laughs> super worn into the ground no. in 1980. That's like, this, this is essentially still a 70s movie, it's like. Came out in the eighty, but you know it still yeah. fills, and it's probably shot in like seventy nine. More mysteriously, is Henry Silva's character, who is the misogynist guy in the movie. God, he's a- on the whole. Forrester is pretty nice guy. Silva is serves no purpose in this movie, but he's in it a lot. Yeah, and like he just constantly is racist and misogynist. Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, and I love how those guys, those those guys that he hires, the. Uh, 
I apologies in advance. His uh, what does he call them? His native guy. Yeah, it's he like, hires oh, so the black kids the who live in the urban kids. section oh, of the city. I was like, you've got to be. I can't believe this is happening. Right I now. love how they're like, man, fuck this guy. <laughs> 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 it's like his money, but uh, yeah. But in the movie is the thing is the movie's not ignorant about him being a racist like safari. He hunter still gets exactly. punished. He's oh, playing yeah. like a racist safari hunter type dude. And the same thing with Robert Forrester and like the hair jokes right off the bat. Like we are set up to understand that this is at least poking a little bit of fun at the archetypes or the stereotypes that yeah. we put in yeah. movies like this. That's very true. It's, it's, it's ju- just enough self-awareness to where I think it elevates it uh, above its what would have been an otherwise, like, because I've seen some shit Jaws ripoffs. And, oh, uh, yeah. Orca is especially bad. <laughs> I actually kind of like Orca. Bo Derek, Bo Derek gets her leg bit off while I was in that cast. Snaps like a twig. I, I know, love it has Orca. Best, <laughs> it has one of the best Morricone On uh, the next ever, Giant but. Monsters episode. <laughs> Dude, I will ride for Orca. The, uh, the end of Orca, when they're like on the icebergs, they're like floating around. This what the hell are you? so kick-ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. I would say Piranha is the best of the of the. We should do Jaws just an entire Jaws, Jaws ripoff. <laughs> Even though that one is almost entirely a send-up. I love the remake. But I know you do. Yeah. yeah but the it. sequel to the remake, no matter what you say, is terrible. Piranha 3D is fucking amazing. You're wrong. 3D. Yeah, I was going to say 3D. Please, please. has the Hoff in it. Yeah, but you want to talk about the Yeah, but you remember the last movie we covered with the Hoff? It was terrible. I want to talk about it. Yeah. I thought so. Uh, there was actually a board game that came out uh, on, on this in 1980. Believe it or not, I would. That's a what? If one of you guys has that in your, in your grandmother's attic. Please send um, it. Matt right? is seriously. Is ordering is it. it on he's on eBay already. Right yeah. now, we'll is it just called it Alligator? Now. The board I, I game. I don't. I guess <laughs> Alligator. Board also, game. the animatronic alligator in here was donated to the Florida Gators team, and they still use it as their mascot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I think that's pretty fucking. See, great. this is the movie. It's the gift that gives on you. Oh, yeah. you people. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with you, like, through today's standards and lens, a lot of it's like, well, fuck, you know. But for, if you go back in time and look at it for its era and for what it is, yeah. it's like leagues above, like Matt well, was saying, like, what it should be. Well, I don't know, be. because just two years later, um, the same director, Louis Teague, did Cujo, and Cujo is way better movie than this. Sure. Which is also kind of a Jaws knockoff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but I so far as it is on Animal on the Loose, yeah. like I agree, Cujo is much better. But oh, you know, this game looks awesome. I, I think Cujo Two was much better. Uh, Look at this fucking alligator oh. toy. Oh, Look right. at this thing. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, of course, that's, talking that's about a better alligator than the one they used in the movie. Oh, Cujo snap. Two is in fact the Dead Zone. Thank you very much, uh, Stephen King. Actually, deep whoa, cut. Uh, that was a really deep cut right there. <laughs> I was like yeah, Cujo Two. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Dead Zone. Yeah, because like the idea was that the killer from Dead Zone. Stephen King intended this in the books. The killer from Dead Zone. The reason Cujo was insane Cujo. is because he was possessed by the spirit what? of yeah, the murderer from the, the Dead Zone. Oh shit! Yeah. No, not yeah. even kidding. I feel like Stephen King or something with yeah. all of his books rather yeah, yeah a little bit I feel like he built all these things together because he can't think of like more characters or ideas and he's like let's just well, riff on what I've already got he on a lot of cocaine at the time right. yeah. So. Oh, yeah I mean like not as much as a, it, I mean which he wrote some of his best books during that period oh, yeah. but it wasn't till like his post getting hit by a car period with the painkillers when he wrote, wrote and doesn't remember writing Dreamcatcher that you're like this is a problem dude you gotta get off the drugs <laughs> you gotta backpedal now yeah, maybe we need to go to rehab Dreamcatcher is so insane you're like 
how did anyone even publish this fucking thing? Like, if I was a publisher, I don't care if you are Stephen King, I would have been like, no way. If, the, mo- if the movie is any indication, I can't believe it was yeah, published. It's it's say, how, close is the, how close is the movie Hugh to the book? It's, pretty it's pretty it's close. Pretty oh, okay. Yeah, Jesus, that movie. Ass weasels. <laughs> uh, anyway, our next, is, uh, <laughs> our, next, our next film is our next film is a deeply underrated but horror remake, which we've talked about a little bit earlier, but 1988's remake of The Blob. Yeah, now, I had not seen this one until we wa- I watched it for this. Oh, hell I know yeah. It just, somehow it just it slipped through my radar. Now, that's why I was excited to do this one because I think a lot of like horror people have seen this, but I feel like of, of equal amount, it has like slipped through the radar. Don't even like, know what it How could it be good? You got like a- remake, 80s. There's not a lot of fanfare around when it came out. Kevin Dillon. Yeah. yeah. Johnny, <laughs> Johnny Drama. Yeah. Who's the lead? Well, the lead, the, the young... Dillon. No, 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 the young lady. Uh, oh, Shawnee oh, Smith. Yeah, yeah, apparently like uh, yeah, I was talking to a friend about this. Like, she pops up in a lot of stuff. She's, after. she's in the she's Saw. In yeah. Saw. Yeah. She's, she's, she's the only character who's in, like, almost every Saw movie. Okay. Yeah. See, that's really interesting, because, like, I thought it was a really... Uh, anyway, I, I didn't mean to derail it. I just no. I just really liked the twists regarding her. Yeah. So like, the characters are treated really well in this movie, in general. Uh, I This is... like the, I don't want to throw any shade at the original Steve McQueen starring 1958 movie, which is really still holds up and is super fun. It's a lot of fun. But this movie is going trying taking a very different angle yep. at telling the story, and I think it's honestly equally enjoyable to that film. It's just a very different type of movie. Directed by Chuck Russell, who made Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors. He made The Mask, which was pretty solid, Jim Carrey. He made Eraser, which is arguably the last of the good first run of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And Scorpion King. And the Scorpion King. You have been erased. The script was written by Frank Darabont, who went on wrote a ton of Stephen King scripts and was kind of obsessed with Stephen King, like almost to the point of like stalker. Uh, like, in fact, like, there's, uh, the character Brian Flagg, that's, that's the lead character's name. Brian Flag, Randall Flag from The Stand, and he said, yeah, that was a thing. There's also a homeless guy character who's in here a lot in the beginning who's credited as Can Man, as in Trash Can Man from The Stand. And Shawnee Smith and her family have the last name Penny because he wanted to reference Pennywise. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, Frank Darabont is kind of, uh, we're going to talk about his love affair with Stephen King a little bit later. Yeah, he comes up again. Yeah, But, um... I remember watching this movie, it uh, came out in 88, so I was 14 years old, and I remember just being blown away by this fucking movie. I actually saw this twice in the theater. I, nice. I want to yeah. say that I probably did as well, just I was watched like, it this multiple is badass. times. This is amazing. Yeah, I think we're very close to the same age, yeah. and I rem- at that point I was like, I was totally in deep with Fangoria Magazine. Like, I, mm-hmm. I had a subscription. I even the first thing yeah. I ever got published was a letter to Fangoria Magazine. Nice. Uh, I was, I read them cover to cover, and I remember reading about this going, fucking A. This looks <laughs> badass. Awesome. And, you know, Fangoria, like, tends towards stuff or tended towards stuff that was very gore oriented, and the blob. Did Kitchen. not disappoint. I mean, can you believe this only has a fifty-seven percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. Well, it's because it's a it's a monster movie, so by default, a lot of people hand wave it away. And then on top of that, it's an eighties monster movie remake, like we were talking about earlier. So people so, are comparing it to the original. And and again, like that as well. That's yeah. what I like about certain remakes is when they'll take the base concept and they'll just do something different with it. And uh, 
quick uh, quick sidebar. We were talking about Frank Darabont. He actually was one of the uh, writers on the 2014 Godzilla as well. Oh, I did sure. not realize yeah. that. I didn't know that. So, I think Frank did. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I, I was done. <laughs> uh, I think we're so movie, goddamn polite on this podcast. Aren't we, though? <laughs> I think this movie benefited from Frank Darabont not directing it. Mm-hmm. Because because he's such a fan of Stephen King, and we're going to get to The Mist later, I feel like he's slavish to everything that Stephen King has put out, to the detriment of the movie. So have, him having written it and having a different director, I think actually really worked in his favor, because the director didn't take it as seriously. It was There was definitely some lots of fun moments, tongue-in-cheek stuff. It wasn't like, this is... This is like a big deal. It's like, no, this is a monster movie. This yeah, is a fun movie. Like, it was good like, coming from the, somebody who was used to doing films with strong female protagonists already. Because Shawnee Smith, at first, they fool you into thinking she's just going to be the... the, the, the yeah. Yeah. They did a like, nice bait switch because the football player was kind of being set up as being mm, the main right. character. There's a lot of that is, stuff in the movie. Yeah. Which is like... I, one thing I want to talk about the movie for sure is the, the characters and how good all the characters are in this movie. And I don't mean just, like, good, it's, like, well-performed and well-written. Like, everyone is, like, just kind of a good person, which mm-hmm. really comes into play when the blob is getting them, getting them. Like, even the jock to start off, he's not your typical, like, fuck you jock. Like, he's basically he's a good guy. Yeah. He's trying like, to, like, he's, like, he's going to take the guy to the hospital, he's going to stay he, at the hospital. He's not, this, he's not only interested in getting laid like his buddy is. He's, like, and then she's not just, like, a dumb cheerleader. She's, like, also a good kid. Kevin Dillon is, like, the bad boy. Also has a sense of responsibility. He's good. The sheriff, who kind of fucks with Kevin Dillon a little bit, but he's, like, shown to be, like, kind of a sweet man. No, the like, actual was, villains, though, are, of course, the government this, agents yeah. who are so ridiculously over-the-top villainous, it's laughable. Oh, yeah. well, I gotta, yeah. But as they I should, because it's, like, a government versus oh, your small oh, town type of thing. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. Oh, and the Reverend, but he even is kind of, like, he's the Stephen King afterthought Reverend. Yeah, sure. he was a, <laughs> yeah I was gonna say, I really, um... I, I, I don't super, I don't know if I super agree that the characters are, uh, especially well done. I thought they were, I thought that was, uh, I thought they were honestly a little flat to me, but I did say, I, not that they weren't functional for the plot or well, I mean, enjoyable I mean, they're unright. I mean, like, functional for the plot for sure, but like, right. for a movie like this, they're not just fodder for the blob to kill. Right, they're like, not. Like, you do feel it when... The blob comes to kill the sheriff and like you, the diner owner. Yeah. It's like sad. And yeah. it's like the oh, boyfriend. They make you genuinely the, like these characters so right. that yeah. when they die, you really feel no, not that I liked them. That, that was something I appreciate is that you really didn't feel like anybody. Well, uh, until the government characters, you didn't feel like anybody super deserved to die right. or right. was getting theirs basically. But um, one thing I do have to have to say is that the twist with the origin of the blob, I I honestly did not see that coming. Really, I thought that was like. Oh, that's a clever little uh, little twist on uh, the original great. setup. Yeah. That's how you that's how you adapt a film. Yeah, you it flips sh- it from the fear of the other to the fear of your own government. Like yes. I think it flips it completely. So help me out, guys, because I've not seen the original one. The original setup is it's what? It's just, just it's just, just an alien. alien. It's just an alien blob, yeah. and, uh, and then the twist here is that it's like. It turns out bacteria that was up in space. Which, that, uh, which is what you said at the beginning is with monster movies, they're a reflection of the time. And uh, right. in the 1980s, it was the Cold War. Yes. And we were afraid of, of you know, our governments and, and you know, anything we, that held sort of power. That idea of the government essentially working against your better interests was sort of a radical new idea. And uh, I'm glad they tapped into that because they did give it this extra layer. The original film is much more just about this town that already has um, issues of old versus young, like generational uh, tension. The town comes together to 
to fight this blob. Uh, this movie is a little more about raw survival yeah, and right. just in the wake of this thing. And people sort of come together at the end, but not like in a, in a, in the way that they came in the original movie. So again, they twisted it just a little bit, but there is that, there is that generational tension permeating both films. I do like to some degree, they kind of stayed away from like a lot of sequels like this or remakes. They feel like they need to constantly have references to the original. And this one, the only way detectable I could find that was a specific call out. And it's, you would never know unless you were a motorcycle guy is that Kevin Dillon's riding a triumph, which was Steve McQueen's like, by <laughs> very very nice. I thought I recognized that. I, I did not realize that. Yeah, exactly. You would never notice it unless somebody yeah. was really into motorcycles and Steve McQueen and said, he is you wrote that one on the great escape, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Wearing a not pirate, that, not that, but a trial. Apparently, the apparently the original uh, blob prop still exists. Oh wow! It's in a bucket that somebody has, like <laughs> as part of their collection, and they showed it off at the 50th anniversary of Blob Fest <laughs> in the town where they filmed the original movie. Wow! Well, it's I, just in a fucking bucket. It's just this red lump. <laughs> I do want to say I just love the shit out of the way they did the practical effects in this movie. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the green so, screen is so the green bad. screen is not good. It's not honestly it's not as bad as some of the other stuff. The blob itself looks good. It's just that when it's pro- trying to project it where it has to look huge, uh, well, see, it, it I was looks gonna, a little long. I was going to say, similar to the miniatures and alligator, I almost appreciated those shots because it almost gave me another feeling of like a throwback to like a really old effect. Is it looked really like and almost like the way you see people like you know in the old Batman when they're running against sure, the screen, sure. like it looks that bad, but it's. It's jarring to the point where it's not good, but it's not. It's almost. I mean, it adds some charm to it. But, but the gore is so visceral. The gore is next level. The, yeah. the first like real thing you see when the old the trash can man is like been lying in the hospital for a while, covered up, and you see the blanket oh, moving, and she pulls so it off cool. him, and his throat is bulging yeah, up with it right. coming through, and his eyes are white. You're just like, oh, I want to go to the bathroom. Uh, it's, no, it's so good. It's very like it's one of those films that you look at and you think like. The way Hollywood, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, the way Hollywood is set up now where everything is just post-production, um, you almost couldn't make a film like this on this scale now because the, the the man hours that goes into setting up these shots and figuring out how are you going to film this, how are you going to light it, how does this mechanism work, what are you going to make the blob out yeah. of? And trusting that it'll come together in the edit. Like, right, exactly. It'll look good. I was honestly shocked at how good some of this looked compared to, again, some other contemporary films like... Uh, again, I love aliens, but there's a couple of shots at the f- during the final battle where the queen alien is just kind of like flopping around, <laughs> and it looks like a little toy. And that stuff doesn't personally bother me because I'm I'm one of the people who I'm like I like identifying the technique behind an effect as I'm watching a film. Yeah, me too. Uh, but um, you know, but as far as the blob is concerned, just like the movement of it. I, I'm trying to figure out, like, oh, you know what, what is this made out of? Me and, me and my, I watched it with my buddy Caleb, who's never seen it, and the shot where the guy is trying to me too the girl in the car, and it's, like, very gross. Oh, and God. He gives, like, oh, oh, yeah. But when she turns and her face is shrinking, but then the blob kind of comes out of her and, like, moves in this weird way, and it's like, how did they do this? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, there's ways the blob moves, and it's just so, it looks so cool. I could imagine, like, you'd start off with an actor with, like, the tentacles on his face, and you pull him back, and then just, like... But but it's the tentacles going, but there's also 
juice coming out of it. I don't know. It's just, oh, it's, it's, it's just, know. It's just, a, it's it's just a firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And it's, yeah, the movie cost $19 million. Nine million of that was the practical effects. Yeah, I believe yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. You see every penny of it. We're not uh, spending money on our actors. <laughs> I, I actually, I can forgive a lot Kevin of the Dillon, CGI stuff um, or, you know, whatever, or some of the... Just the, blue screening. The, yeah, just the green screen or blue screening back then. I guess it was blue screen back then, wasn't it? Yeah. But there's a lot of, like, continuity issues I think that really I had a problem with, like, helicopters not being able to keep up with your shitty motorcycle. Uh, that's fair. That's or fair. at the very yeah. that end sequence was a little where like, okay, he has on. the blob in a glass jar and you're just like, okay, so I could just, like, it c- couldn't go through glass? Yeah. Even though it, it can melt through absolutely anything except a mason jar. I did not even think about that. And <laughs> and that, that just I guess really, that's a testament yeah, to the movie. Yeah, it just really bothered well, me. I think it was more. I thought it was more that it it, it could uh, it could melt any organic material. But it, it goes through glass a lot. Well, in it used it, it powers through glass. It, it powers That's through true. Glass. It doesn't it melt. It's, it's really small. It has nothing to eat to get uh, bigger. No, no, you I know, think I, you guys know what? Are, no, the science is sound. Guys, the science is real sound. They actually researched actual blobs. But you're not. I mean, I I see a little of that, but honestly, I feel like the. The sheer raw production value. No, of it I, I still, is. yeah, I still love this movie, and I do want to say that I think that Alamo Drafthouse should do a no talking commercial. Oh, they, um, they have it. They, yeah. they do. Oh, they have that. Yeah, the kids That's in the amazing. theater. Yeah, I actually yeah. put that oh, in my notes. Be like, like you'll, you'll love this. It's 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 right where he goes. Like you'll love this. He hot curls her to death. He's like Mister Please, and the blob gets. <laughs> and that's yes. when the yeah. I guess my I skin. Seen that one? That's amazing. Yeah, also, that's, that's another an great one because that was one of the ones. That was one of the original. They put curse words and there's a great you the fuck out. There's a great joke in the movie where he's like, wait a minute. It. Hockey season was months ago. <laughs> <laughs> the joke within the movie. That gag. Good shit, yeah. That movie gag with the, the slasher movie yeah. was pretty good. Before we get <laughs> too far off the effects, I was wondering, what's y'all's favorite kill or like gore effect from this movie? Oh, like, the, the, one? Oh, the date and the car thing. The the, the, that's really car, good. I was like, that's so gross. For me, I, oh, oh, for me it's the, the, the jock boyfriend jock getting killed because I really wasn't expecting it and it was pretty horrifying. Oh, like, his face got pulled apart, like pulled yeah. apart inside of the blob. And, yeah. That was pretty cool. The dude. Homeboy who gets sucked down the drain. Ooh. That's wild. Yeah, yeah it's pretty that intense. And, yeah, and then the blob body. comes out of it. I love that it's like, like the way they shoot it, where it's like else. he's like you know reaching down the drain, and we've seen this before in other movies where it's like it kind of oh shit something's grabbing me, <laughs> and it goes real quick to oh you're dead dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's like he's like, like oh, and then his head just goes shunk, and there's, and that, yeah. Yeah. And there's <laughs> that great shot where like his two feet and an arm up, yeah, like, he's just getting and the pipes actually like spreading out like what happened. <laughs> I think I think two of my favorites are like opposite of the goopy stuff. I love like the when it goes into the phone booth that has like the oh, sheriff yeah. around her. It's just that shot mm. of it. And I guess there's like a dummy in there, but it looks so violent. Yeah. And also when it pulls the deputy sheriff at the end through the bookcase and he like kind of folds backwards. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. That shit was like, because yeah. I've seen it a bunch. I haven't seen it in a while, but watching that, I kind of forgot that that was happening. And when he first gets him, it's just like, like that crunch of it. It's like, fuck. That's the thing that I, I, one of the reasons why I prefer these kind of monster movies, like gore effects to, um, to, I'm not, I'm just not that much of a horror movie guy because, um, I, I don't know. It's just when it's, when it's a monster though, it just, it, to me, it's, it's cooler because I can kind of zone out and just focus on the kill itself. 
Because when it's like a person or a slasher or whatever, I'm kind of like, I don't want to think about human cruelty in this situation. <laughs> right. But this is a monster. This is a monster. It's just doing what comes naturally. It's like a nature it. thing, yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's, it's like, like the monster's not trying to inflict suffering. It just wants to eat. Yeah. So, and it's just, you either die quick or you die slow. And uh, it's kind of a roll of the dice here. But, Are you guys all going to hate me if I say that I like the Phantom better? Phantoms? No, Dean Koontz's Phantoms? Better than this? I do. Really? Nobody I likes Phantoms. I, <laughs> I like Phantoms. Like you, you and Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck and Rose McGowan. I was going to say, you realized that was a joke in that movie when he said, yo, Phantoms was the bomb. <laughs> yeah. was like, that was not supposed I to be a joke. I I will rewatch Phantoms just so I can say no. No. It's not better. I will say no question it's his best book. Okay, yeah, it's his best book, but, but he wrote eighty other books that are basically just rewrites of Phantoms. So. <laughs> See, but isn't, isn't, isn't Phantoms another victim of that early CGI shit? And yeah, it's like kind of. I actually, I feel like the the rotoscoping. I think is what bit, it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's a little bit. Are a little bit. I mean, I admittedly I haven't think seen that it since Phantoms it came out, was but. probably like ninety. Uh, my, I don't it's like late nineties. My only memory of Phantoms is the VHS cover and Blockbuster being like Ben Affleck on this thing. Stop looking at me, Ben Affleck. God damn it, Ben Affleck. I wonder what techniques must have changed between like the sixties and the eighties as far as blue screening goes. Because I mean, there's some blue screen effects in some of the older Godzilla movies that are almost seamless. And it's because they were using an Oxbury optical printer, which is the um, same thing Walt Disney was using. Uh, and some of these blue screen effects are like, whoa, it's amazing they can even get away with this. And it's so funny, it almost goes backwards in yeah. the 80s. And it must, there must have been a change in technology. I wonder if, like, I wonder if the cameras, you can't like lie as much to the camera maybe. That's a on. good point. Like, well, when the I'm, earlier cameras, you can maybe lie to them a little more and they'll read it. though, because, I mean, cameras have been working on big 35 I mean, millimeter yeah. film for the whole time. That's like the original high definition. Well, who knows? But I'm yeah. wondering if perhaps at some point they started introducing computers to do the rotoscoping instead of doing it, <sighs> yeah. you know, I wonder, optically. In the 80s. And before, before yeah. it got good. Like, it was probably looking like uh, shit. For the record, the blob was created by silk that they injected with a food additive. Really? Yeah. That was I, which, very interesting. I don't know enough about science to go, oh, I can see how that would do that. You know, I can <laughs> yeah. given, the, given the texture of it when you look at it, yeah. I can see that. And, and the effects were done silk. by uh, the same dude who did Darkman, Army of Darkness, Freaked, oh, nice. and then eventually 20, 127 Hours. His name is Tony Gardner. Is that his name? Tony right. Gardner. I, I can't really read my right here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but yeah like, he's Gardner. been working consistently in, like, the really schlocky horrors all the way to this, like, clean effects. He's done, like, I think he did Shallow Hal, too. He did the this- Geico Caveman. <laughs> okay, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's just been working and working, but, like, prestige to horror and all sorts of stuff. And Grandpa. Yeah, well, the Grandpa uh, looks great. Say what you will about it. That was really good old age makeup. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's on top of his game. Well, we actually have hit an hour with only two movies in. Well, oh, three if you count the I knew the it was going to be a long so, night. So we are going to uh, say goodbye for this week. And next week, tune in for the part two where we'll be covering more of the monster movies. Monster movies. <laughs> <laughs>